You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. Hey, Angela. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So let's talk about website shame. Is this a real thing? Is this like an actual phenomenon? Yes. Yes. I meet people all of the time, especially because I build websites as my profession that say, you know, yes, I have a website, but don't look at it. I'm super embarrassed by it. It's really old. You know, I haven't put a lot of like time and energy into it. So oftentimes people, you know, have DIYed their website years ago and they're embarrassed to give it out and to, to show it to people. And why do you think that this happens? Why do you think people start websites and then don't keep them updated or struggle to make them look decent enough to be willing to share? Yeah. So I think a lot of people, when they first start their business, they think, what's the first thing I need to do? I should create a website. I need a a website, a landing page for people to go to, to learn about me, to find out about my services. So they, you know, maybe whip something up really quick. They feel confident enough at the time to maybe launch it and to share it with people. And then, you know, when you're a business owner, things you're wearing so many hats. So, you know, your energy and your time is limited. People are working on building relationships with their clients, with yoga teachers, refining their craft, doing training. So you just get busy. And then all of a sudden, maybe a year or two down the road, you think, oh my God, I haven't even looked at my website or made changes. It totally doesn't reflect where I am in my business now. It doesn't reflect the type of people that I want to attract. And also web design, it's constantly changing. It's evolving so fast. So if your website is three or four years old, it most likely is going to look pretty out of date to what's currently out there. Yeah, I think that's a hard pill to swallow for people, especially if they're not excited about spending more time on the computer that a website needs to be updated regularly in order to feel fresh, in order to feel relevant, really. Absolutely. And I fall into this same trap with my own website sometimes where I'm like, I have a list of about 50 things that I want to work on and improve and change. And then you just get a little bit overwhelmed with like, where do I even start? You know, I think also creating a decent looking website is harder than people expect. Especially you start out with a template and you look at the way the template is formatted basically, you know, as an example, and you think, yeah, that's nice. That looks really good. And then you start putting your own content in and it does not look as good. Can you talk a little bit about why a template that looks really good in the example might not look as good when you actually build it out. 
Sure. Yeah. So oftentimes when you see a template and you think, oh, wow, that's beautiful. I want to use that for my business. The content, everything is like perfectly curated, the branding, the color palette, the font, the the copy on the page is meant to fit for that particular design. The stock photography is chosen, you know, professional photography that maybe doesn't really make up a cohesive business, but it, it looks beautiful. And then you start putting in maybe your stock photography or your photos that aren't as professional. Maybe you don't know how to uh, edit them as well, you know, to, to cut them to where they look right. And then all of a sudden you also realize your copy doesn't fit in the sections where, you know, they where the template has, has a, a spot for it. And then you start changing things here and there, colors and and fonts, and you play around with things. And then most often what happens is you end up with this kind of like Frankenstein look website that maybe has some of the original template styling in it, but then it's also got your stuff and it just doesn't feel cohesive and professional. I think too, we get used to seeing websites from big companies with a large budget. And then that becomes our expectation of what websites are supposed to look like. And then we look at our own site and we obviously don't have the same budget as a big company, but I think the shame can kind of come from comparison too. Of course. Yeah. Just like comparison fatigue of, you know, what other sites out there, even with, you know, Instagram and social media, like comparing yourself to what for your audience, what other yoga teachers are doing, what their photos look like, you know, what their website looks like. And so you get, you feel that sense of shame and you feel really overwhelmed with where to start. And so I always try to encourage like my clientele or anyone I'm talking to about their website, like just get something simple to start with, something that you feel comfortable with. Really the key to your business is you. It's not It's not so much about comparing yourself with what someone else is doing because we also know that those other people are struggling with their businesses, with their own self-worth and their images. And also like if you're looking at maybe a big shot yoga teacher that's been in the business for 15, 20 years, like they just are in a totally different space in their business. They've got a very different budget. So just, yeah, trying not to compare so much. It's hard. It is. You know, when you talked about like the Frankensight, that's definitely what my website was before you and I worked together. I got tons of compliments on it. And to me, all I could see were the flaws, you know? Because over time, I did keep it updated, but I never had the energy or the time, frankly, to to go through every little bit of it. And part of that is that I have a lot going on on my website. I wonder, too, if that's another mistake that beginners make, is trying to do too much with their website. And that actually ends up working against them because then they can't do anything really well. For sure. I can't tell you how many of my kind of initial discovery calls with clients when they want a website. They're so excited to start their business and to to start a website. There's that kind of like new project energy, new business energy. And they're like, 
and I'm going to launch courses and I'm going to have these trainings and I'm going to have these classes and I'm going to have a portal for other teachers. And I'm like, that is all great, but that's going to take you six months to a year before you get anything live. Let's start with the MVP of what you need to get launched just to like let people know that you're out there to start getting traffic on your website. So for some people, I've been doing this recently with a lot of my clients is like, let's just get a one page website to start with a simple navigation. This is who I am. You know, this is what I offer. This is how to get in contact with me. And that's it for now. And then from there, once you get more clarity and you gain more clientele, then let's start expanding and building out some services pages, you know, or let's build a course and have a landing page for that. But that doesn't all need to come on day one of launching your website. And then I will say back to your comment about comparison, one of the first steps, and and I think I've talked about uh, this with you is like, also, when you see websites that are beautiful, and that you're attracted to, like, note those down and use those for for inspiration for your website, you know, what you want your website to look like, the messaging, the feeling that you want your audience to have when they land on your site. I love that. And I also really love this advice to start with just one page because that is so much less overwhelming, the concept of getting one page to look nice versus even just a website of four or five pages. It's like you make a change on one page and you're like, oh man, now I have to go change that on all the pages. And to just really focus on one page and get everything that is essential on that page before you start even thinking about other pages. That's so smart. So what do you think are the essential pieces to put on that one page? for most people, for most yoga teachers? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would say having like a little bit of a statement or a tagline about, you know, who you are, what you're doing, the audience you serve, definitely some information around your services. So if it's online classes that you're teaching, very high up on the top of the page, like front and center, here's my schedule these are the class descriptions. And then this is how to sign up and pay. And then, you know, maybe you have a secondary call to action. Like you also do privates. You want people to be able to get in touch. So just like a a, a clear as day way for people to be able to get in touch with you and ask questions. Okay. So who you are and what you do, how to work with you and how to get in touch. Yes. Maybe I would add also about who you want to work with and like what problem you're solving for them, you know? So maybe you offer more therapeutic yoga and you want to work with like the aging population. If that isn't super clear for you at the beginning of your business, oftentimes that comes later on down the line. And just having those kind of like visions of like, this is who I want to be working with. I don't necessarily have a niche in particular, but I know I love working with people that love my music playlist, or I know I love working with people that enjoy receiving assists, for example. Thinking of the design element, we have this one page, we have a sense of exactly what we want to put on this one page. What are some of the biggest mistakes that are 
simple to fix that you see from a design perspective? So when I often land on a client's website, they say, I have a website, but I'm super embarrassed. So don't even look at it. I'm like, just let me take a peek. A few of the first things that come to mind that I see that are pretty easy fixes is too much copy too much written text about who you are, your journey. I've seen homepages that have 15 paragraphs of why they became a yoga teacher. And it's like, we know the world that we live in today, people's attention spans, they want to land on your page. They instantly want to know what you're offering, how to get in touch. So, So really kind of narrowing that down and that also makes your website look very outdated. And then I would say another one is having like, a primary call to action and repeating that call to action throughout your site. If you don't have a course to offer, you don't have any kind of like paid call to action, have a really nice lead magnet, a PDF guide for them to download, or maybe they get a free class with you or something at the start, just to start getting those emails and building up your email list. And I think related to the topic of too many words, I think there's also the phenomenon of not enough space around the words. So maybe we could say one of the takeaway messages is less is more. And you want to make sure you have big enough margins. The eye just loves white space. And so if you try to jam your website, every little inch of your website full with images and information, it's just overwhelming. But If you look at websites that look really professional, you'll see that most of them have a lot of blank space that are either a pattern or a color or just white. When we say white space, it doesn't have to be white. It just means there's no text and no really busy image on it. Very good point. Yeah, having enough space. Spacing is a huge thing that I see that can really show if a site is done Uh, a DIY site versus a professional site, you know, how things are laid out. Also making sure that the text is readable. A lot of times people want to have those like fun background patterns or images, you know, but then the text isn't really that readable, which comes off quite unprofessional. And then the other thing I would say is again, and like that whole coming back to that whole like Frankenstein site of having like so many busy things going on with the design, so many different colors. Like if you're trying to simplify and make your site look a little more cohesive and professional, try to stick to like two to three colors max, you know, and have every call to action button stay the same color, have your background section stay the same color and just try to simplify and make it more cohesive. That's that's a very simple way. If you look at your website and you're like, okay, there's five colors here. I need to I need to back off. The other thing is that you want to make sure that probably one or two of those colors is a really neutral color. <laughs> but if you're not sure about colors, you can just go and Google color palettes and find professionally created color palettes and find one that that you really like. Absolutely. There's so many tools out there. You don't have to have a professional doing your branding for you beforehand, but of course it will look better keeping in mind that like just because 
these five colors are your favorite colors doesn't necessarily mean that they go well together. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they are colors that, you know, would attract your ideal clientele. I work with a, a graphic designer extraordinaire who's my creative director, Rachel, and I'm constantly asking her like, but can I use this accent color that isn't in my brand palette? She's like, no, no, like stick, stick with the plan, (laughs) stick with the foundation. So I know firsthand as someone that, you know, likes to use a lot of different colors that sometimes you want to be more playful, but like, maybe you could do that on your social media. You know, maybe you don't have to always stick with those like three primary colors you can you can there's different tones of those color palettes that you could use or you could use complementary colors that maybe you don't have on your website but you don't need to have all of those on your website that's great advice i also think we're foreshadowing a little bit a episode that we're going to do a little bit later in the series which is to help you figure out am I ready to hire some help with my website and my graphic design? And if so, how would I find one? So that's coming later. A lot of people try to design their website, the visual elements of their website first, and then create words to go in that. And I think that's backwards. I think if you write out your website first in a document and you decide exactly what you want to say first then the design is much more flexible and you can create a design that fits the words. And frankly, the words are actually the hardest part. Unless you're a writer and you have like some kind of, you know, phobia of design, the words are more important. The images are going to support the words. They're going to support the message of the words. But if the words don't capture people, if they don't understand that your services are for them right away, they're just going to keep moving. Absolutely. Totally agree with you on that. And I think that's what we were talking about a little bit with the downside of using a a template that's pre-designed. The way that my business works when we take on a new website project, we always ask them to put their messaging and their copy down first. And then we build the design around that because, you know, like you said, your messaging is so important in how you're communicating to your audience. And you want to think about when you are, you can have some ideas, you know, looking at maybe if you're doing your homepage copy, maybe looking at a, an inspirational website that you think, okay, I want to have similar layout and similar sections. And you do want to think about when you are writing your copy and your messaging about kind of the hierarchy of call to actions that you want people to make. Obviously, the most important stuff will be at the top. But yeah, then the design can can come after that, where maybe there's like a standout sentence in your bio that you really want to highlight. We can make that like pretty big and make it almost more decorative so people see that. And, and when they're scanning your site, maybe they're not reading all of the text at first, they're just kind of like getting a feel from you. We can take some of those messaging and those headers and make them really stand out. So Angela, are there any final tips that we haven't talked about yet that you'd really like to make sure that 
somebody who either has never created a website before and is about to create their first website or someone who has a website they feel ashamed of really needs to know in order to create a website they feel proud of? Yes. My final thought, I would say, is once you've done all this deep work, you know, gathering your inspiration, you've written your copy, you have your photos and you're ready to put it together, put it together and then offer a time period where you you gather feedback from friends, colleagues, family members, and you create that space where you invite feedback. Because I think so often people will launch their website and they're like, yes, I launched and I'm done. Here's my website. And I know this happened uh, with a friend of mine that did this. And then, you know, she someone wanted to give her feedback and she's like, no, but my website's done. I don't, I don't want feedback. And it's like, well, no, you actually do need a time period where you're, especially if you're doing it yourself, you know, like you want to get other people's perspective to make sure that that call to action of what you want people to do on your site is clear, you know, that they're not having issues on whatever screen size they're using, or, you know, if they're using maybe a different phone than you, maybe they see an error. So you want to offer some space and time for feedback. And then you don't have to, you don't have to take any of that feedback. You know, you can see their point. You don't have to make any changes, but just to have that space to give you the confidence to launch it for others to see. Yeah. I think that's a really great thing for people to know about off the bat so that as you're estimating how much time is it going to take me to create my website, that you're not just estimating until the very first launch, but that you give yourself some padding after that for the feedback and the refinements. I also think that we just get saturated when we are looking at the same thing over and over and over. First of all, it's clear to us because we wrote it. But then also we stop having perspective on, is this good or not? Because I have looked at so many versions of this. I don't even know if this is good or not anymore. And getting that outside feedback can either give us a lot more confidence and reinforce, yeah, this part is really great. And also help us trust that little bit of intuition that was like, oh, I'm not sure about this piece. And the cool thing is that somebody who's looking at it with fresh eyes might have an idea very simply, very easily with no stress on their part. They can say, no, that actually needs to be blue. And you'd be like, yes, why didn't I think of that? Well, because you were looking at it for too long. Yeah, you've been working on it for two months. Like, of course, you can't see that. You can't take a step back. Yeah. And also, there might be like spelling mistakes that you've read that sentence or that header, you know, a hundred times and you don't see that. And just having someone else's eyes on it with a fresh perspective to take it all in for the first time, you know, what is their initial impression of the website? You know, what is the messaging that they first see, you know, is super helpful to get that because you, you realize either, okay, I feel confident to, to send this out to the world or like, oh, wow, maybe I missed the mark and, and these things aren't clear, which is great to know before you send it out so that you can feel confident when you're ready. Yeah, agreed. So we've talked about a lot of things in this episode. We've packed it full of tips and advice. And 
I want listeners to understand, first of all, that having a website that you feel proud of is actually very, very doable, especially if you follow the tips and the strategies that Angela and I have shared. So I'm going to just recap what I remember from our conversation to help reinforce some of these messages. First of all, only create one page at first and really get to a one-page website that you feel good about. Then spend some time with your words without even worrying about the design. Spend time getting clear on what messages you want to send with your website. Then go out and look for inspiration. And this is the fun part. See which parts, if you like a website, why do you like it? Then as you're putting your website together, make sure that you are using cohesive colors, colors that really work together and that you're leaving plenty of space. What am I missing? Is there anything? And then of course, the the piece that we were just talking about, about make sure that you get feedback and give yourself time to refine your website until, I mean, you may never feel like totally like it's perfect, but this is one thing that I tell people a lot is that your website is not a static piece of art. It's not like you are creating a sculpture and then at a certain point you say, okay, it's done. This is it. I'm not going to touch it again. Your website has to be touched regularly. It has to be updated. So you always have the capacity to keep refining if you want. But yeah, you want to have a a bit of time where you're going to make some of those last refinements before you take a break from it, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect summary. The only thing I would add to that is just being clear in what you want users to do on the site. You know, what is that call to action? Do you want them to sign up for your newsletter? Do you want them to sign up for your classes. If a person landed on your site and they could do one thing, what is it that you want them to do? Yeah, I think that's starting to hint at what we're going to talk about in the next episode, which is a lot more detail about how to make your website really usable and really functional. So, but that's the first step is just what is the number one thing you want people to do? If you're clear on that, then you're much more likely for those people to actually do that one thing. Exactly. Yes. So stay tuned for more sexy website talk about (laughs) how to improve your website and make it convert. Nice. Well, thank you so much, Angela. And yeah, we'll meet back here soon with the next section of this series. Great. Thank you, Manu. My pleasure.